It's time for episode 135 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, May the 4th, 2016. Clockwise, four people, four technology topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast where the fourth will be with you always. I'm your co-host and spooky force ghost, Dan Morin, joined by my co-host, Mr. Jason Snell. Hi, Jason. Uh, hi, Dan. It's good to be here. I did say May the 4th, and I stopped before I said be with you, because I was going to leave that for you. you, you Thank you. you. Know, Thank you. Leave it for the big Star Wars fan. This is my high holiday. It is. Aww. The holiest of holidays. It is. I'll get, you can take it as a personal floating holiday from Six Colors, if you like. Ooh, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, joining us this week, we have two fantastic guests. To my left, no stranger to uh, May the 4th, the uh, head of iMore, Mr. Renee Ritchie. Hi, Renee. Hi, Dan. What a great day to be on the show. I know. Yeah, isn't it? I felt very appropriate inviting you on. And to my left, you know her from so many different places. She writes on uh, IDG's GreenBot website, which I got to help create back in the day. And it's nice to see it up and running with Flow. She's also on All About Android on Twit. So she gets around. Florence Ion, hello. Hello, I uh, I have my. Let's pretend I have Leia buns on today, just <laughs> yes, just for everything. Excellent. Let's just pretend. I'm gonna do Leia buns. Oh well, you can both you know, do it. There's, there's enough to go around, guys. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, we're gonna talk about four technology topics because even though it's May the fourth, we still have to we still have to get that done. Uh, so I'll kick things off. There's a report in Bloomberg this morning as we record this that Apple is planning on a substantial overhaul of Apple Music to come out at WWDC in just about a month. And so my question for you, if you are Apple Music users, is what would you like to see improved? And if you're not Apple Music users, is there something holding you back that you would like to see them do differently? Renee, what do you think? So my primarily use of, like I use Apple Music all the time and because it does one thing and that is I can ask Siri for anything. I can ask for almost any song. I can ask for the Glee version of almost any song and it just yeah. magically plays it. It's like living in the future, but going into the app is painful. And my understanding is there was a much simpler app originally before everyone started kibitzing with it and made it into the buried in the more menu monstrosity that we have now. So if they could go back to simpler times, and I understand that everybody's use case is different and people take music so personally and they want it to do different things. But I I would just start fresh. I would say you have 9,000 Megadeth songs in your library. That's great. They'll stay in your library. And here's the clean music look at the future. Yeah, I almost want to say that they need two apps, (laughs) which I know they're never going to do, of like an app that just shows you the Apple Music library and an app for those people who want to keep their own library. Uh, But alas, I don't think that's going to happen. I do mix and match myself across libraries, so I, I guess I take advantage of that. Um, more Siri integration would be really nice. I would throw that in the in the mix. And then, you know, honestly, the number one thing I have on my list for Apple Music is not about the app. It's about the service uh, behind the scenes and especially about making it more reliable. I have not had Jim Dalrymple level problems with it, but I have <laughs> noticed. And I actually spent 90 minutes on uh, a phone call with Apple support, which led to them hanging up on me and never calling me back, by the way way basically i uh i have certain songs that i actually bought with my itunes with my apple id that i use for apple music that when i click on them it says i'm sorry i can't play this it wasn't bought with your apple id but if i go to the purchase list and find it and then download it then i can play it so there's you know there's stuff like that i also have tracks that don't play the right version 
uh, which Jim Dalrymple complained about, where it's mismatched them, and there's no interface for me to say, no, this is not that song. Uh, use the upload from my from my library and put that in the cloud. It just won't do that. So as somebody who has a lot of uploaded songs, a lot of purchase songs, and a lot of Apple Music stuff that I've added, I just I want them to work better together or be separate. I, I, take your pick. Well, I have you, not... have you used Apple Music on the Android? I have, I have not I used have. Apple Music on the Android, uh, but but I will say I think it's great that it's offered to Android users, especially those who want to, you know, who have like MacBooks and are partly into the Apple ecosystem and want to be able to bring in their own smartphone. So I, you know, for my own hopes, because I believe in a beautiful synergized cross-platform world, I hope Apple Music uh, continues to cater to the non-Apple using crowd. Mm. <laughs> uh, good suggestions all I agree I I like Jason I kind of feel like I'd like to see it divvied up and I speak as someone who is not a regular Apple Music user I did use it during the trial period but I decided not to subscribe just to see if it was something that I ended up missing and the answer was uh, occasionally but I find that I can usually get on Spotify or YouTube and find that song that I really need to hear um, rather than you know basically subscribing to an entire streaming service i do worry sometimes that the push towards apple music is going to sort of take over the music app i still every once in a while get that pop-up it's like hey join apple music and i'm like i just want to get to my music library please go away i've already told you i do not want to join apple music um and so i understand why you know apple is obviously trying to attract new customers to that service but i think making it clear like hey whatever your music lifestyle is we want to support that whether it's buying songs whether it's just listening to your own music whether it's subscribing to our streaming service um so rather than having sort of the hard sell there i would love to see them adapt it a little bit more towards the use cases of a variety of people but mm. i am also not holding my breath on that uh thanks for all your input let's move on to our second topic which comes from renee so uh, there was an awful lot of angst in appleville uh, after the earnings came out uh, and there was a usual amount of hysterical doom saying but there was also an underlying thread where there might be a legitimate concern and that is based a lot on after well two things really after iphone what does apple do next once they saturate that market because wall street is all about growth it's not really about speed uh but there was some concern with demand forecasting did apple underproduce iphone se and not recognize that people wanted smaller phones did they overproduce iPhone 6S, not realizing the upgrade cycle had moved earlier? And then there's things like market saturation, like China being more protectionist, like Apple maybe not understanding the India market is different than China. And so I was just wondering, what which of these concerns are legitimate and how does Apple address them? Uh, well, you know, I, I think Apple admitted that it blew it on uh, forecasting iPhone SE demand, especially. So I think that is absolutely legit. I think there was a, there have been a couple of good pieces. Bloomberg ran a really good piece about how some of this is about Apple's communication about what it wants to be. And I, I think you can see it. I mean, Renee, you look at the same stuff that I do uh, when they're doing their releases. They, 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 they tacked in one direction with services where they were releasing supplements and saying, oh, services are big, they're big. And they were really trying to send a message of like, well, this is going to be our future growth story to Wall Street. And then on, on the call, uh, this quarter, they asked Apple, like, uh, so what's the deal with uh, with services? And, and you know, are, is that a, what your primary goal is? And Tim Cook's like, no, 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 no. Pr customer service is the primary goal. We want the experience to be good. Services is just a thing that's coming along for the ride. Okay. But that seemed a little bit different than what their strategy was before. And I see that somebody asked them point blank, are you a growth company anymore or not? And Tim Cook just like totally swerved away from that and didn't answer it at all. So I feel like, I feel like this is actually one of the challenges they've got is they 
they don't know what direction to take here in terms of how they communicate what's going on in their business. And the thing I appreciated about that Bloomberg story is it really said, you know, Apple could have, um, there would still have been issues, but Apple could have said um, uh, last year, look, we think that the that this is an a-, a little bit of an aberration. We think that the the market is becoming more saturated. We think buying cycles are changing and the iPhone growth is going to reduce. And yeah, people would have freaked out a little bit, but it was almost, I don't know, maybe a point of pride of like, no, 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 never let them see you sweat. We're just gonna, we're just gonna keep on going. And, uh, and so they've communicated this badly. And I think there's still not a the point where they're willing to admit that uh, the iPhone business is going to probably keep growing, but at a much smaller clip than it has in the past. And I think there's no shame in that. But I think so. I think that's my number one uh, issue with them is sort of like how they communicate what they're doing. Because the fact is, Apple's an incredibly profitable company. It looks like it's going to continue being that for a long time to come. But they do need to uh, be realistic about the fact that the the smartphone is perhaps a, a singular product category in our lifetimes and that pace of huge growth as everybody gets one is ebbing and is not going to get replaced by something around the corner in a year so i think they just need to embrace that i i absolutely agree with you mr snell um i you know i come from the android side of things so i see smartphone when i look at smartphone charts i look at them a little differently uh but one thing i have noticed at least with this latest batch of uh, smartphone charts that have come out, which is from uh, our sister company, IDC, is that smartphone growth is really stagnant overseas. It's not... It's not growing like crazy like it used to. I think we see a lot of companies going in different directions now where they're trying to branch out and and diversify their product lineup. I mean, we see this kind of going on with Google. And I have to be honest, I haven't really seen much of that come from Apple. I see iPhones and I see iPads and I see MacBooks. But what about kind of the other stuff? Is that... Is that some, and I know we wanted to keep this sort of focused on the iPhone, but I'm sort of wondering, you know, we're talking about where Apple's coming from and how they're trying to, uh, how they're trying to tell their story. And so I'm curious about what's the story beyond the, the mobile products? What's the story beyond the laptops? Where do you guys want to go from there? So I don't have a concrete, you know, opinion about, um, iPhone growth in, you know, the way that, that you guys might as iPhone users, but um, but I am curious to see, like, how Apple might diversify in the future. And I also want to add that I'm really bummed uh, about the news yesterday about Apple not being allowed to sell the refurbished uh, iPhones in India. I was really excited about that. I just like the idea of, you know, reusing technology, not sort of like tossing it away and giving, uh, you know, the... Uh, the other user base a way to experience these phones that are still that are still really dang good they don't need to be tossed out so those are my (laughs) those are my thoughts on that uh Uh, first of all renee i'll say that angst in appleville is my favorite dr seuss book um (laughs) i i are there concerns absolutely uh i think flo makes some good points about sort of the story and the narrative, because I think that's a big part of the issue here is that, you know, like like we were talking about, Apple did not correctly figure out sort of what was going to be popular uh, when it came to the SE. The SE did much better than it expected. Uh, and I think that's tricky because we want to know that the, you know, the, the company has control, has, you know, everything in hand, knows where the trends are going, etc. And what we saw this quarter was that maybe its forecast wasn't quite as accurate as 
we've grown accustomed to it being because usually it's very spot on. Um, and so I think it's true that obviously the smartphone market, you can't grow forever, right? Like, especially not the leaps and bounds that Apple is. You can, you can still make a great business out of it. You can still probably even eat some growth out of it if you're releasing, uh, upgrade cycle products every year, but it's not going to be the huge, massive uptick that we've seen to date simply because the market conditions that made that happen don't exist anymore. Um, and so from that perspective, I think not only does Apple need to be focused on providing, you know, sort of a, a product upgrade that is competitive and really doing something to push the envelope that's going to convince people to upgrade if it really wants to retain that huge growth, but it also has to sort of think about, well, you know, the smartphone, the smartphone huge growth and huge sales aren't going to last forever. What what is sort of the next thing on our market? And and that's bearing in mind that obviously the smartphone may be a non-repeatable instance and it may be more about you know apple as a uh, as an ecosystem company or something going forward so i think that the the focus on services in particular has been very interesting i'm glad that it's not the primary thing that they're doing in terms of like trying to nickel and dime people out of things but you know once we all have all these great products it'd be great if they work together in really seamless ways and, and apple brags about its ability to do that but there are some weak points in that strategy, most especially services. So that's that's where my real concern sort of hover around is the implementation of Apple services. I'm not as concerned about iPhone sales, if only because even if you're only selling 50 million of them, you're doing pretty darn well. Yeah, I agree with all of that. And to me, it's sort of that thing where in the beginning, you think your parents know everything and then they make a couple major gaffes that sort of change your, wait a minute, wait a minute, they're just normal people. And Tim Cook has been really, really good. Tim Cook and Jeff Williams and, and everyone at Apple have been really good at sort of predicting the market and knowing when to enter markets and when to expand. And then you see the demand uh, forecasting for the iPhone SE and they just didn't realize people wanted smaller phones or or the over abundance of iPhone successes and not really realizing how many people maybe or you know, they said a lot of people upgraded, but not really counting that into what would happen with the iPhone success. And you're saying maybe that machine is not working as well as it used to. And that's more of a concern to me than just iPhone numbers, because iPhone numbers have so much momentum, even if there's not that much acceleration, the sheer speed of it is enormous. Uh, but I go back to I think it was two years ago, Jason, where we were we were sitting down outside of uh, the Twit Brick House having breakfast or mm -hmm. talking about all this stuff. And a lot of it hasn't changed. It's like the iPhone was such an aberration. It distorted all these numbers. And you had a great piece on Friday about Apple minus iPhone and the Grand Garfield tradition that we, we have to almost look at it. All of these companies, iPad is a great company. Um, Apple Watch is a great company. Uh, Apple Pay could be a great company. Apple Music could be a great company. And all of these things together, while not an iPhone, could be really, really good businesses. And if Apple's really smart, and takes all the time they've invested in building iPhone as a platform into using iPhone to build other platforms, I think that's where it really gets interesting. And maybe you don't have a $100 billion business, but you have, you know, several a dozen maybe really good multi-billion dollar businesses that can that can carry you until the eye implant hits the market <laughs> all right uh good some good stuff there uh, we are halfway through there's two more topics to go so there's more good stuff to come but first i need to tell you about our halftime sponsor this episode of clockwise brought to you by linode linode is a combination of high performance ssd based linux servers they're spread across eight data centers around the world so it's a great place for you to put your server infrastructure and i say this as somebody who has placed my server infrastructure at Linode. The six colors and the incomparable both served from a Linode server in the Dallas 
infrastructure area i believe it's somewhere in dallas it probably has a cowboy hat on it anyway you can get a server up and running in under a minute and plans start at just ten dollars a month and you can choose your resources the linux distro that you're going to use and the location of the node if you don't like cowboy hats right from the manager tool once you're up and running you can easily deploy boot and resize the virtual server with just a few clicks on this super easy uh, web-based tool Uh, every linux server has industry-leading native ssd storage powerful intel e5 processors and access to the massive 40 gigabit network with multiple levels of redundancy at the Linode data centers. They have an API that lets you automate tasks or develop custom apps in the cloud. And all of Linode's pricing tiers feature feature hourly billing. You're not going to get an ugly surprise. There's a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services, including backups and node balancers. There are more than 400,000 customers at Linode. They're all taken care of by a friendly 24-7 support team. They're even open over the holidays. And they are constantly improving their infrastructure. They uh, recently switched from Zen to KVM uh, and their Unix benchmarks soared. And all I had to do was reboot my server and i got it it was pretty cool Uh, so if you're running a private git server hosting a large database running a mail server operating a powerful application anything that you need a server on the internet for you should try linode and as a listener to clockwise if you sign up at linode.com slash clockwise you will not only be supporting clockwise but of course you'll get twenty dollars toward any linode plan what a deal and there's a seven day money back guarantee so there's nothing to lose go to linode.com slash clockwise that's l-i-n-o-d-e.com slash clockwise to learn more, sign up, and take advantage of that $20 credit or just use the promo code CLOCKWISE20 at checkout. Thank you so much to Linode for serving all of my stuff on the internet and for sponsoring CLOCKWISE. All right, halftime is over. The cheerleaders have left the field. It is time for my topic. So um, I, I reviewed the Kindle Oasis at Six Colors this week. Um, I've always been a Kindle fan. Uh, I like the fact that it's a unitasker, that, you know, the one thing that it does is let you read text on a page. And I know this is a little esoteric and it's kind of a weird question, but I'm curious. Is there something in your life, something you do with technology that you actually, on second thought, realize you you would prefer to do it with a unitasker and not with, say, a phone that does 50 different things. I definitely am gravitating toward the camera. I think that having a camera that can do all the camera-y things, and this is sort of related to uh, my topic coming up, is I just, I love having a standalone camera with its own, like, modes. And I, I have so many different kinds of cameras around the house that just do, like, that are very good at one particular thing, uh, which might sound like an overkill. But, you know, I've got the DSLR for shooting, you know, my product shots and, and, and shooting family trips. I've got the action camera for shooting, you know, when I go hiking and making uh, uh, time lapses. And then, you know, I've got, like, a, one of those fun little 360 cameras just for making fun little photosphere videos for YouTube. I mean, that's, that's, I just love cameras and I don't care if they just do, they're just good at one thing. You guys should see the box I have of uh, Polaroids. (laughs) I really like that my toaster and my fridge are separate devices. I think I'm a big fan (laughs) of that. Uh, But the other thing I was thinking of is actually, uh, I really, I enjoy playing games on a console on my Xbox One. And I kind of wish it did less because I think a lot of the stuff that Microsoft has added into the Xbox over the years has really detracted from the game playing experience, at least as far as a user interface goes. It still plays games okay, but I don't need to have 
Hulu and Netflix. I don't need to have it, you know, giving me ads for music videos or things I don't want to buy. I really just want to put it in. You know, I kind of long for that classic NES day where I could just put in my game, play my game and not not get bothered by any of these other features that I never use. So uh, in some ways, I think they could take a page from that sort of unitasker idea and maybe just make a console that just just plays games and does that very, very friendly. So for me, uh, I was about to say that I'm all about the convergence, but then I really I go back and forth. At some point, I want everything just to work together. And then at other points, I want to go complete Battlestar Galactica and have all these offline things that, to your point, don't pop up a thing saying uh, this is your television set if you do you know that we have our own smart equipment and you can use us instead uh, and you just you just want to i don't know throw something at them uh, and that makes me think that i would just love a panel like the kind of panels that bars get but way more uh, economically priced because there's a lot of new television sets that you get and they want to be these smart televisions and they're running these horrible operating systems because these companies don't know how to do software they know how to do hardware uh, to some degree but they just slap whatever uh, kernel they can on it and then build out this quote-unquote smart system and put Netflix on because everything, including your toaster, has to run Netflix now. Uh, and they just won't leave me alone. I, I even bought a, a Blu-ray player um, and I had to take it back because it had ads that you couldn't turn off. At least on the TV, you could turn them off. So I think I would just, when I have a panel, whether it's a Thunderbolt display or a TV set uh, or anything, I, I want the opportunity to get just a single tasking dumb as dirt, stump, dumb, panel and that would make my life much happier I, these are all great responses um i, I uh we're going to talk more about cameras uh, in a little bit with those topics so i'm gonna i'm gonna leave it there other than to say <laughs> i think that there's a great argument to be made for cameras uh as a unitasker tvs as a unitasker is really really great too i i mentioned the kindle i mean i i think that one of the great things about our phones and our tablets is that they're multitaskers but that multitasking does generally uh have the ability to get in your way and yes i could use my self-control to not tap on that link to the push notification that says I just got a new email, but it's awfully hard to do. And if I never get the uh, notification on my Kindle and I can just keep reading, it's a lot It's a lot easier. Even if my phone's in my pocket and I can check it if I need to, it's a different experience than, I'm, than if I'm reading on my phone. So uh, unitaskers have a place. I'm with Dan. Toasters and fridges and tea makers should all stay apart. And uh, the only other thing I wanted to mention is I've got some repurposed old music players in my house, uh, Logitech squeeze boxes that I use as clocks and they're great as clocks. So I would say in my home, I actually like the idea of using a semi-smart device as a clock, as something that just tells me the time and actually the temperature outside. And I kind of love it. So, you know, unitaskers uh, are are fine. I, I, there's no, nothing wrong with unitaskers. Um, okay, that's three topics down. We have one more topic to go. Flo, we've promoted it now. So tell us, what is your topic? <laughs> All right, guys. So listen, I've been working on this absolutely uh, in-depth look at the iPhone 6S's camera compared to the Galaxy S7's. I picked the both of them because they're similar price range, similar size, that sort of thing. Um, I've been working on this thing for weeks. I am like about 80% close to done. But while I was working on this, I realized one thing that sort of stood out to me yesterday as I was attempting to work on the conclusion is that neither of these devices will replace my need for an actual like mirrorless camera or a DSLR. How do you guys feel about that? Do you feel like perfectly, you know, fine with the camera in your hand that you have uh with you every day or you know do you feel like you would get you get more from having a separate device that's you know devoted to 
shooting memories and and all that. Uh, well, I'll tell you a little story, which is that I've been cleaning out my office as of late, and one of the things that I can look over and see it in my bookshelf there as I stumbled across as I was cleaning out was my, my SLR. Um, and I don't remember the last time I used it. So I should probably check and make sure that battery isn't like leaking all over the place. Um, I, I, you know, I bought that one several years ago now, and I really enjoyed taking pictures with it for a while. Um, I think the the big thing is, you know, there's the old trope about how the best camera is the one you have with you, and I think that that is true to a large extent. I think what I do miss about the SLR is the, you know, sort of what you were talking about a second ago with the unitasking aspect, which is if I've got the camera out, I'm really focused on taking a great picture. Whereas if I have my phone out, I'm focused on like snapping a shot really as quick as I can. Uh, and I think the maybe the big difference between them is more of a mental one for me than a quality one, because the iPhone, you know, takes great pictures. It maybe doesn't take as good pictures as the SLR, but it's so close that for me, it's basically indistinguishable and not having to carry around a giant SLR is, is a benefit. So for me, I mean, it certainly feels like the smartphone has already replaced standalone cameras as far as my everyday life goes. Um, but that said, I think there is something to still be gained by having that unitasking device that not only, you know, kicks it up that extra notch of quality, but also really focuses, no pun intended, you on making, <laughs> taking better pictures and, and being in the moment of thinking about taking pictures rather than just sort of, I'm going to take a picture of this and share it to Instagram as fast as I can. So for me, I mean, the, the smartphone cameras are great and they're super convenient and they are the camera I have with me. But the one thing that physics is not allowing them to do right now, at least with with the way they're being built is the Z index, the depth uh, and the ability to get all the great lenses that you can get on a DSLR. Like I have macro lenses, I have uh, zoom lenses. I have all these different sorts of Canon gear that I, that I still use and I still love. And I like getting the bouquet and I like uh, capturing things that are across a field. And, you know, when kids are playing sports and things like that, and I just, I can't do that with a phone and there's all sorts of tricks they can do. They've gotten much better. They've gotten higher resolution and then maybe they'll have multiple lenses and be able to do really cool things with low light or with depth and that kind of stuff. But to me, there's always going to be a limit. And for most people, 80%, 90%, it'll be just fine. They won't care. But if you really love photography, I think you absolutely are going to still want a camera and a camera that you can change the lenses on and do sort of all the traditional camera things. So I'm totally with that. I'm always going to have a smartphone with me because I don't want to lug around the DSLR or the Micro Four Thirds uh, or whatever I'll be shooting with next year. But I'm going to want to have that with me in my bag uh, when I need it to take sort of the, the, the shots that are really more artistic and not sort of just memories. Yeah, I have, uh, I know where my SLR is. I haven't forgotten and I do know the last time <laughs> I used it. But um, but on our, tr- our big car uh, road trip that we did last summer uh, with a family, we didn't bring it. And I don't really think those photos suffer dramatically because of it. But the fact is, photos on smartphones aren't as good as photos on SLRs or Micro Four Thirds or, you know, basically unitaskers like we were saying before, dedicated cameras. And it's because our phones have to be thin and optics and physics say that that's not you know, helpful when you're trying to make a really good image. So whenever I take a uh, uh, a picture for uh, six colors of a product, I do the SLR with the nice uh, 50 prime lens that I've got. But uh, the fact is, for most people, um, those days are over already, which is why it's incumbent on all the phone makers to continue their arms race to make better cameras on the phones. Because, you know what, 99% of all the f- pictures shot in the world are, if not already, are going to be shot on smartphones. So we got to, th- those all need to be better. I totally agree. 
agree with you guys on a couple of, of different uh, ranges. Uh, Dan, I agree with you. Framing, when you have an iPhone, or sorry, when you have a phone on you, uh, it kind of helps you be more in the moment. You're not worried so much about framing um, because, you know, more often than not, you're not going to go and post that stuff immediately to Flickr uh, like you would after editing a photo you take with your SLR. Renee, I totally agree with you. Like, you do not get the same depth of field. You don't get to do any of, like, the special bokeh effects. Definitely having, like, a a lens that you can attach and swap out and get different uh, ranges. I I love that, just being a little novice photographer myself. And Jason, you're absolutely right. There, is, there are some things a smartphone can do, and until the smartphones get better and more robust at their camera capabilities, I, I think we're going to have to some of us are some of us are still going to have to think about whether or not we want to adopt uh, an actual camera into our lives for that sort of thing. All right, that's uh, that's four of our topics. We have just enough time for a bonus topic. Uh, so, as it is May the Fourth, Star Wars Day, I of course must ask you who your favorite Star Wars character is, Renee. Uh, I mean, it's got to be Vader for me because he's, it's just his arc. We get to see the complete sort of redemption journey from the beginning when he's like, uh, if you're the consul, if this is the consulship, where is the ambassador to, you know, take, taking that force blast for his son? There's, there's just nothing beats that for me. <laughs> Chewbacca. <laughs> I'm going to pick two and I apologize. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to make it quick though. I love Ray just because I, I love her. I'm just so glad she's in the series. But as an old one, I love Luke Skywalker. His journey with the force mirrors my journey in life. I see a lot of parallel between that, mm, you know, mm. whiny little kid when he was young. He gets, you know, he gets all the sense smacked into him and he ends up turning into this total, total awesome dude so i i see the re- i see where this, <laughs> the resemblance it's right there uh jason stole mine chewbacca wow i didn't think that was i thought that was not going to be low-hanging fruit right there but i have two chewies on my desk right now um back up lando calrissian because he's just so darn smooth that cape that cape oh, that cape is great i know cape cape is cape. great <laughs> so that's it uh, i'd like to uh thank our guest renee ritchie thank you so much for being here pleasure every time and Flo ion thank you so much for being back on thank you guys so much for having me jason may the fourth be with you thanks and also with you dan and for everybody <laughs> else out there watch what you say and keep watching the clock pray we don't alter it further oh. 